0: Welcome to 30.com. My name is Justin Levine, Managing Editor of the website, and once again this week, I am proud to be joined by our Adirondack Thunder insider, Armand Klesvich. Armand, thanks for taking let's my
1: time. Glad to be aboard you, Justin, Thank you for having me.
0: Of course. All right, so let's dive right in. We've had a really busy week, and obviously we spoke about the NHL trade deadline uh, making an impact not only on uh, yeah. really the one team that we focused most on nhl that being the canadians but really this this took a toll on almost every single team in the league while toronto didn't really do much we really saw a lot elsewhere so i think that's probably the best uh way of getting tonight's episode going so by by way of transactions let's start with hebs and why don't you start off by revealing the most shocking move that. That the
1: you know, made. the Ilya Kovalchuk move to uh, Washington for a third-round pick is a very, very surprising move. questionable move, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I think uh, many fans and many journalists like us um, also were very uh, unreceptive to this idea. Nobody saw it coming. Um, do you want to elaborate a little more as to why just exactly
1: this was really a, a, not an well, ideal trade? originally we, we heard from Mark Bridgman saying, you know, ideally he wanted to get a first-round pick and a player back in return. And, you know, I, I've been looking at this, and supposedly he gave Kovalchuk options between Washington and Boston, now as much as I would hate to see Colcha play in Boston, I, it, it, it killed me to wonder what Boston was offering uh, what Boston had on the table for Cole Chuck because um, I have an idea it may have been a better offer than what we gave, we gave what than what we got back.
0: Right, and Boston wasn't just looking at Kovalchuk. They were also looking at veteran Joe Thornton of the San Jose Sharks, who ended up staying with his team as a result of the 2020 NHL trade deadline. Um, Along with the Kovalchuk move, the Montreal Canadiens also sent Marco Scandella to the St. Louis Blues. That was also for a pick. Um, I mean, if you had to pick a winner out of the whole NHL trade deadline, who would you say won and why?
1: You know, there are a lot of good teams. One team in particular that did a lot um, at the deadline were the uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, some very depth moves, um, picking up Robin Leonard, which I think is going to be a huge asset for them moving forward um, as a backup. Um, Nick Cousins uh, from Montreal, you know they're they're one of the teams that you you didn't expect much from at the deadline, and they surprisingly did a decent amount and just enough, I think, um, to strengthen their team for the uh, last bit of the season.
0: I absolutely agree with you, and and while that's one team that really bolstered up well without really losing too too much as opposed to others, we also look to the Carolina Hurricanes, who I mean, really, they, they drove in a lot without really losing a lot uh, along along the way. So there's there's no- another winner and they continue their run towards a, a playoff spot as they acquired Sammy Vatnan from uh, the New Jersey Devils and that's just one of a couple moves.
1: And one one thing that does surprise me about the Carolina Hurricanes, Justin, is that they didn't go out and get a goaltender especially after the t- they had two goaltenders go down. That's one move I was expecting them to make uh, on deadline day that no one would have saw before that time.
0: Right, I think. I mean, again, I think you said that uh, really well, and along with uh, the acquisition of Sammy Vatnine, they also managed to acquire Vincent Trocheck uh, from the from the Florida Panthers, and they got Eric Hallup from her Vegas Golden Knight back, along with two other prospects. I mean, so now, with, with that being said, let's continue looking around the league a little. Uh, Robin Leonard, uh, talking about the Golden Knights, recently mm-hmm. joined them. Uh, that was, and that was obviously part of a trade, uh, one that Vegas supposedly won. Speaking of Vegas, today they signed Carrier to a four year contract extension, so they continue to bolster up as they look
1: for a spot in the playoffs. Themselves. And I think, I think our.
0: I think, any other one
1: yeah, I think there was I think our biggest trade of the deadline had to have been uh John Gabriel Pagel going from Ottawa to the uh New York Islanders. And what Ottawa got was a very, you know, very good move for them. A 2020 conditional first rounder, uh 2020 second rounder, and then a 2022 third rounder.
0: Right. And I mean, that's for what Pajot could have gotten uh, as far as trading goes. I think many were shocked that he got that much um, only because Pajot's production in Ottawa has been spotty and questioned uh, for the last little while. So for for what the return piece was for, for Pajot, they did very well uh, in that sense. But again, then you look at the Trocheck deal. Trocheck who's actually been producing, uh, got a similar package deal, uh, something that really uh, at least in my mind and perhaps others as I've spoken to since, uh, have made a difference in. Well if you to look
1: too. at if you look so, at some of the other guys, Blake Coleman got a first rounder. Um, so I think the market was high. And I think that's one of the main things that went into the Paggio, what Pajot got back and returned. What they got, what Ottawa got back and returned.
0: Right. And speaking of the market being a high, that might have been, uh, that might have been the right way of either letting go of a um, Thomas Petar, or B. Jeff Petrie. The Colorado Avalanche were looking at both, and then uh, with with about three hours left on the trade deadline, they were looking at Arturi Leikkanen. None of them ended up going anywhere. They are all remaining in Montreal, which I, which I but Colorado was looking to be very, which fast. I find
1: very surprising. That you know, knowing the value of these players, Bergeron didn't decide to pull the trigger. He didn't pull the trigger on any of them. Instead, he
0: let he let Kovalchuk go, the most shocking <laughs> of the deals. Uh, he let Scandella go after a short stint with Montreal, and he made a minor league. Uh, acquisition from the Pittsburgh Penguins, something the Puck Authority was lucky enough to break and be a part of the, the process. We learned early in the morning of the NHL trade deadline that the Montreal Canadiens were in the midst of acquiring Joseph Blendeese and Jake Lucchini from the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, they sent Riley Barber and Phil Verone the other way, and uh, all four players are reporting to their American Hockey League teams respectively. Um, can you talk about any impact that you may or may not see with this trade?
1: Yeah, the the it's a solid move um, another speaking of Marley transactions, the one move that I really like that much that uh Aaron Luchuk uh has been bouncing around and on deadline he found his way to the Montreal Canadiens. I've seen him play a little bit, um well, when Newfoundland's been in that around deck and I expect him to be a very good appease in another, you know, year or two for Montreal.
0: Right, and uh, Luchak comes to Montreal, having been traded for Matthew Pekka. Matthew Pekka, uh, currently with Ottawa Senators, is likely to join the Belleville Senators of the American Hockey League. We'll just have to see. Uh,
1: so those, those are my big trades.
0: Yeah, so let's look a little ra- a little bit more. Uh, what else has happened. I mean, the Sens also lost Nemestikov but they only got a fourth-round pick for him. No one really expected that to be a big one. They just expected him to move. He did. So, that went the plan. The Montreal Canadiens also lost Nate Thompson to the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, <laughs> the have are calling a fifth-round pick in exchange for Nate Thompson. Want to talk about that one a little bit?
1: You know, I... I'm not surprised they let Thompson go. Um... What I have liked to see, you know, would be a third or fourth round guy with how high the market was, yes. But with from what I've seen from Bergeron, it's not something I can be disappointed in. So I will accept uh, another pick from Montreal who who hold a ton of picks in the next few, few years during the draft, which is great for them seeing that they uh, are looking to get younger uh, over the next few years. Right, and when we look at uh, the flurry of
0: picks I have going going into the NHL draft in June, being held at the Bell Center in Montreal, the Canadians actually hold fourteen picks. That will suit them well, uh, knowing knowing what the, this year's market of uh, of kids looks like, uh, who are currently draft eligible. Uh, There's lots to be excited about, and again, we'll see what Bergevin can do.
1: And and it does keep people on their toes where he did say he's not opposed to making a hockey trade at the deadline, at the draft.
0: Right, and Bergevin is someone who makes shocking moves when no one least expects it. So that's something to keep an eye out for, and so, as such, we will. Let's move on to the ECHL and the Adirondack Thunder, uh, who just returned home uh, for a three-game road trip following – A three-game, yeah, for a three-game homestand following a three-game road trip. Want to start off with the results of the road trip, and then we can dive into uh, where they're at and what they've been doing.
1: Well, it was it was a very very interesting homestand, Justin. We had three games. uh, We finished off a nice little Southern swing, picking up. Four out of six points. Uh, those coming in overtime loss versus the South Carolina Stingrays. A 5 nothing win over the Jacksonville Icemen. And then a 5-4 overtime loss versus the Gladiators of Atlanta. And uh, coming into the, the three-game homestand, Adirondack only had one goaltender as Evan Cormier was recalled to Binghamton. Um... And talking to him again at the end of the weekend, he said that before this year, he's never played in a, a three and three, but ended up picking up two out of the three uh, last week, which keep the Thunder in the playoff race uh, moving forward.
0: Right. So with that being said, let's now dive into uh, the last three games at home, all of which you attended. Um w- how did the Thunder make out and who were the most impacted players?
1: You know, it was like I've heard from a lot of guys. They looked, they said, we need, we, and I, Alex Lowe said, we need, we need out of four out of six on these three games that at least four out of six points. And you know what? Saturday's game, the team really looked beat, you know, it was a game where they put up like 40 shots and. Connor Lacouve just played a great game. But, you know, it, it was nice to see him come out, you know, pick up two of those wins, especially against a third place Brampton team who they were looking to catch, and a second place Reading team who they beat 5 2 um, to wrap up the weekend.
0: Right. And so, uh, I mean, they did relatively well. Uh, they won two of those three games, so we're going going into the next set of games. What what can fans expect?
1: Well, it's going to be another fun weekend as um, we will see the Reading Royals for two um, games, Friday and Saturday, and I think these are two very important games for the Thunder because after these two games, they will head out for I think their last big. Uh, rough stretch of a season where they'll play three in Newfoundland before returning home on March 10th.
0: Right. And I mean, speaking of, speaking of fun, uh, you got to experience something special yourself with uh, really quite a full arena for a game or two. Do you want to talk about that and how that really helps the team as it, as it has the Thunder?
1: Yeah, it was. You know, they had their Hall of Fame night on Saturday night, which which packed the house, and then Sunday night they had um their Marvel superhero day, which I think drew a lot of kids into the stands, and it was nice to see. You know, even though the vendor re points out, it's nice to see uh, the team starting to draw some bigger crowds the, uh, the last few games, and I, ho- I hope to see the hope see the same this uh, weekend versus Redding.
0: Right. And so there's, again, there's lots to look forward to. The Thunder drawing an audience. And while the Hall of Fame weekend may have helped, is I mean, it's certainly no excuse for a team that's doing very well right now is entertaining hockey. And the ECHL, not known for making big draws like this, uh, managed to pull out well in Glens Falls, New York, uh, in terms of crowds for uh, the hockey they're playing. So there's lots of positive things. We are We are headed towards the end of the season uh where do you see the thunder going with this and
1: uh do you want to discuss the standings a little yeah so adirondack currently sits there 8 points out of a playoff spot now i don't i think it's going to be very interesting because they're 8 points behind the brampton beast who they pl- who they will play three more times this season brampton does have a game in hand on them and then they have Maine, who has who doesn't who they have played the same amount of games, but Maine is ten points uh, ahead of them, and they will play them two more times this year. So I think I would like to see them win both games this weekend, and if they could get at least two points in Newfoundland, that'd be great for them.
0: Right, Newfoundland Growlers are. I mean undoubtedly a hard team to be having won the Calder Cup just or sorry the Kelly Cup that is just last season um I mean they they've they've got the mindset of a of a winning team, but uh well <laughs> well you, your conversations with Alex Lowe are perhaps a little less uh entertaining than what some may or may not expect do you want do you want to kind of talk about what it is Lowe's been voicing to the thunder?
1: Well Low Low basically has that mindset on the team the team knows what they have to do here. He says, you know, it they know what, what has to get done the next few games. And you know, I think the three and three really helped them. I think they knew, you know, three North Division opponents, they had your at least come up with four out of six. So I think it'll be interesting to see how the week off um, affects them few other uh, roster moves that they'll have to uh, adjust to this coming weekend.
0: Right. So, I mean, and that'll drive into our next point. Uh, Roster moves are always uh, seemingly a problem for the Adirondack Thunder. And uh, with the New Jersey Devils uh, having had a rough season, there have been lots of call-ups, which means that the Devils are calling up. And that means the Thunder are losing players and then calling up themselves. Talk a little bit about that and what we've been seeing recently.
1: Well, we did see today uh, Kelly Summers get signed to a uh, professional tryout with the Binghamton Devils of the AHL. But we did see Evan Cormier come back um, to Adirondack, which I think will be a huge move for Adirondack. Especially seeing that they play back-to-back games this weekend, and then three games in four days versus the uh, three games in four days versus the Growlers.
0: Right. So, if you had to describe the upcoming weekend in, I don't know, three words, what would they be
1: and why? <sighs> uh, crucial standing points. Um, I think I think the mindset I think the mindset is right now is you're gonna go to Newfoundland, a team that you really haven't nobody's played well against this year, um, and you got you got to find a way to at least come out with two points there, um, you got to come out with four this weekend. In my in in my book, um, Brampton's playing Worcester, who hasn't had a great season, but the good thing is after they come back home. They come back from Newfoundland. Adirondack has Worcester, Brampton twice, and then Worcester again, which are going to be four games where I think could really be that stretch where they could pick up, you know, a four- or five-game winning streak.
0: Right. And, I mean, with their goaltending intact not being constantly called to the Bing Devils, uh, that being Evan Cormier, while even Mac- McAdam takes matters into his own hands at the Thunder Starter, Uh, What does that say about this team, especially at this point
1: in the season and where they're at? I think McAdam, I think, has started to play his best hockey of the year lately. Um, And I think it's just him starting to see more action and really not having any competition behind him. I mean, even if you look at the Southern swing, with Cormie on the roster, Adam Lowe gave McAdam two out of those three starts, which I think really gave McAdam a confidence boost.
0: Right and yeah, one has to think that that would give him a confidence boost as being relied upon. He's winning games. He's doing well while Cormier is gone. Uh, again, Cormier constantly being called up and down. And, and I mean, that's nauseating for for a player of any kind. So, I mean, it's nice to ha- to have Cormier on the bench and at on deck uh, to back up Ian McAdams and give him a break, despite the fact that he uh, he's able to play well and represent this team with the grit. Part in competition that it takes every night to go in with.
1: Yeah, I definitely believe there's no doubt that Evan Cormier will see some action either Friday night or Saturday night. He'll get one of those starts.
0: Right. Corm- and, and again, just for uh, some Bing Devils context, uh, Cormier was most recently sent up to the Binghamton Devils of AHL after Corey Schneider, a veteran member of the New Jersey Devils after a rather lengthy stint. Um, was sent up to the NHL, uh, this being in the, in the midst of some goalie troubles, uh, which included losing Louis Domingue to waivers. Uh, the puck authority recently caught up with Corey Schneider at Scotiabank Arena in Toronto. Uh, he said that he's enjoying himself, he's enjoying getting back to form, and was looking forward to getting back to New Jersey uh, whenever they saw best fit. And they did see best fit, and, but I mean, obviously it's Thunder D. Cormier, and so We'll see how long this all bounces out for.
1: Well, Justin, with how the season's gone, I'm going to give it a week tops. set uh, until Cormier gets recalled back up to Binghamton. I don't think that'd be a
0: surprise, um, just given how, again, how the season's gone, as you said. Um, Again, we'll see. Yeah, I can't expect this myself to be, I don't know, no more than a week, so... um, Obviously, this is in the hands of, a, of uh, Thunder management and perhaps Alex Lowe. Um, and if the Bing, if the Binghamton Devils are in a salt spot themselves right now, time will only tell just uh, where things go from here. Yep. All right. Um, at this time, the Montreal Canadiens are currently playing the New York Rangers. And with that in mind, they were last up 2-1 to one, um, after... Uh, their first goal for Max Domi. At this time, they remain up 2-1 one with 10.46 left on the clock in the third period. Um, that is That game is currently on TSN, as well as the Leafs and the Florida Panthers on TSN 2. Um, talking the Montreal Canadiens, what are you excited to see for the rest of the season, if anything?
1: Um, you know, I, I, I want to see a lot of the young guys. Um, I, I know we're going to see a lot of Jake Evans. Um, I think with the Victor Menta injury, we could see a little or a kill flurry. And I think one thing that's going to be very interesting for Montreal is to see how Carl Alsner um, plays out the rest of the year with the injuries they have on the blue line.
0: Right, and no one saw Carl Alsner as an option being recalled and were shocked when he, when he was recalled, especially given the fact that it was uh, in the midst of the NHL trade deadline, which even had us both... Uh, talking in question over the phone um what are your thoughts on elsner how long do you think he remains on the house before being auctioned back to the ahl's laval rocket
1: <laughs> well i think i think montreal wants to give elsner their chance um he's been stuck down in the minors for over about over a year and a half now so i think montreal wants to give him some give him a little bit of a look now and you know as much as i don't think it's going to happen if Alzer plays well, I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to, you know, shipping him out for a sixth or seventh round pick even after retain, you know, a little bit of that salary. It'd be nice to get a little bit off of that book off the books.
0: Right. Teams are always bound to a retaining salary and it's just something you have to do. The the Maple Leafs recently doing that uh, as part of a three way trade, Robin uh, Robinette. Again, Robin Leonard going to the Vegas Golden Knights, and uh, so the part, of the, the part of the trade that they're retained, that they're really most involved with is the financials, and again, uh, a portion of the salary of veteran goaltender Robin Leonard. Um, I mean, so we've, we've 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 spoken about that, and I guess we'll get into the New, the New Jersey Devils just a bit here. Again, they continue to struggle, and it's hard to watch as a fan and a journalist. There's because you you lack the words to not only talk about when you are looking at this team, but write about. So I guess to that extent, and given the relation here, uh, what are you thinking as you continue to see the scores that come up on a nightly basis out of New Jersey?
1: You know, I New Jersey is a team where you know they're 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 looking for the right pieces, and they haven't quite found them. Um, yes, they have a guy in Jack Hughes. Yes, they have a guy in P.K. Subban. Yes, they have a guy in, like, Kyle Har- Palmieri. But I think New Jersey's biggest issue, which they have to address in the offseason, is goaltending.
0: Right. I mean, they've got Carey Price, who, for the most part, is, I'd say, at this point in his career, decent, uh, when in his perfect form. But that's, I mean... <laughs> Over the last couple of years, they've been in and out with goaltending, and that has been a problem. They need someone who they can really, really rely on. And this is a team also looking to get younger. Who would you propose to Bergevin, if you could, um, as a fix for next season?
1: You know, if you're looking at Montreal and who... I think Montreal's got to figure out what they want to do with the bag situation. I don't know if they want to bring up Kaden and Primo for the year. Um... But we all know the Keith Kincaid K move didn't work out. But And with that move not working out, I could see Kaden Preeu possibly backing up Carey Price next year.
0: Yeah, so again, that's totally an option. Uh, but then I guess my question to that extent to you, I would pose is, in that case, what happens to Charlie Lindgren? Do we see him stay or do we see... Do we see something move and Michael McNiven really take take the reins as a starter there?
1: You know, mcniven has been a guy who I've been wanting to see Montreal move um, for the last year and a half now. Um, he really hasn't solidified that spot, and Montreal has a ton of goaltenders, uh, even coming up in Kaden Prumu, Michael McNiven, as you mentioned. So I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to seeing. Um, Lingren go, and I've been wanting to see that for the last few years. I'm just surprised it hasn't happened.
0: Right, and I mean, m- most recently, McNevin's been kind of bouncing between ECHL teams. you want to talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, he's he's bounced around a few different teams. Uh, started the season up in Adirondack. Didn't really get much playing time, but I, I think that's really his problem is I think McNevin needs some more time in the HL, and moving at Linggren. Um, allows that
0: right and I think this might just be the time and again Lindgren hasn't exactly seen uh, much time with the Habs either Uh, when you look at Caden Primo and the time he's gone though somebody said uh, I mean people do want to see him really start to succeed with the Habs and again the starts have been spotty even for Primo with the Habs but I think there's more excitement there than there is with Lindgren after all these years. And again, this kind of is a Daniel Carr rela- kind of related situation where fans were excited about him and then he remained at the minor leagues and now he's at the Vegas Golden Knights and that really hasn't transpired itself into very much from there. Um, so again, we'll, we'll see what the, what the situation is like and Bearsman again, somewhat of a surprise uh, with trades at all times, even again during draft time, which hopefully we will all be in Montreal for um as we can continue to keep tabs on that and we'll update uh in the coming weeks through, uh, with our next episode um uh, but do you have any final thoughts on either the thunder or the house from this point forward uh, i've
1: gotten everything i need to get off my mind
0: all right that being said thank you so much for joining me again my name is justin levine of thepuckauthority.com you can see armand's work at thepuckauthority.com and on twitter at thunder TPA, and a klisevich my work at Justin living HBS, and at Puck31. Uh, feel free to uh, comment, comment on our work, on our tweets. Uh, we are more than happy to interact with you, to talk Thunder, to talk Habs, uh, to talk Deadline, and to- really just talk hockey in general and more. Thank you for joining us on the- on this week's episode of the Puck30 podcast. Again, feel free to stay tuned uh, for more of our work on thepuck30.com.